0: Let me just share share something with you that the Lord's put into my heart uh, for us today. All right? Is that okay? Can you say with me, "The Lord is good, and His mercy endures forever." Hallelujah! I spent a uh, a good bit of quiet time just mulling over what the Lord might want me to share this morning, because there's there's always thousands and thousands of subjects and lessons and things that we can always study. The Word's always good. You know, the Word's always good, and it helps us to know God's thoughts and ways and and come to uh, understand Him better. But I know your heart's cry, as well as mine, is that the Holy Spirit will somehow speak to us something that is for us right now. I love conversations with God. How about you? I love to have a conversation with God. And and, um, sometimes when we get together, we have a big group conversation with God. The Holy Spirit is here to talk to you today. Praise the Lord. And I'm just praying that my exhortation will somehow serve as uh, maybe a way to prompt you in, uh, in an awareness of the reality uh, of where we are today and what's going on today and, and maybe help you in your growth and in your um, your walk with God. Amen. The other day, Monica and I were talking about the word. We kind of got into a little habit. Monica gets up. Uh, she's been getting up. She gets up earlier than I do. She's always been an early bird. She gets up earlier than I do. And then she goes and has her Bible time. And by the time, uh, you know, the later she comes in, and she's so sweet, she brings me coffee. Hallelujah. He who finds a wife finds a good thing. Hallelujah. <laughs> brings me coffee. And, but then, then she always throws questions at me. She's always got a lot of questions, and so she'll say, "Well, what I was reading this, and I was reading that, and what was it?" But anyway, in our conversation, um, she said something. She reminded me of something Dr. Barkley has said to us many times. Uh, he 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 has said one of the hardest things for a Christian to do is to stay spiritual. Some of you may have heard him say that. Maybe you said it in the SMTI class or something. But one of the hardest things. For a believer, a real believer to do is to stay spiritual. Spirituality, you know, and uh, to really be seeking after God. And I I can truly attest that that is a true statement. To stay spiritual. I'm not talking about being saved. I'm talking about staying spiritual. Spirit focused. Living in the spirit. Spiritually minded. Amen. Um, Maybe we could put it another way of being kingdom of God minded being God conscious uh, or as opposed to being having a worldview of everything that we that we do but in the environment that we uh, seem to live in in our day to stay spiritually minded is is you know man it's almost like an impossible overwhelming kind of um, uh, mission or aspiration uh, because I mean, the day that we live in, no matter how desirous you are to keep your mind on God and, and walk in the Word and live in the Word, it just seems like the world, the worldview, the world system is just constantly, uh, is constantly screaming at us. It's constantly clawing at us for our undivided attention. So that, handle this, handle that, do this, do that, this is going on, that's going on. And, and even though uh, we're not ignorant of the Word... Most of you have been serving the Lord for a, a time. We we know what the Word tells us, and we know the blessing that the the you know the Bible says that we are to keep our mind on the Lord. He who keeps his mind stayed, you know, on the Lord is going to walk in peace and all that stuff. We know those things, but I'm telling you, it is uh, it's difficult. Am I speaking to somebody that just can't relate to what I'm saying today, or is this true? Amen. Is it not true to stay spiritual? One of the hardest things. ...in the world for a Christian to do is to stay spiritual. Look with me, if you will, into Romans, the 8th chapter. And let's just see what the word says about it. It says there in beginning in the 5th verse... ...it says, those who live according to the flesh... ...well, that's not any really horrible bad thing... ...but that's saying living according or in agreement... ...in accord with, lined up with... ...according to their flesh, that's just their natural world... They set their minds on the things of the flesh. If you're living that you're setting your mind. We set our thoughts. They're captive to the things of the flesh. But those who live according to the spirit. Those who who are... Uh, they're seeking spirituality. They're, they're, they're seeking to focus themselves. Orient their life on the awareness of, of living in the kingdom of God. Now notice it says that they set themselves on the things of the Spirit. They set their mind on the things of the Spirit. Well, that's good. That's a good lesson to learn. But then the next verse holds with it kind of a warning to us. It says for us to be carnally minded is death. It leads to death. To be fleshly minded leads us to death. Now, the word doesn't just mean cessation of life. But it, it, it has to do with the misery of, of, our, of the soul. The misery of this fallen system. Living in a cursed system, you know, and that's what it is. It's, it's a natural world. It's a cursed system. And uh, be carnally minded ends up the misery of, of the this, of this sin and the reward that it, that it pays. Man's environment, a sinful environment. But it says to be spiritually minded is life and peace. There's two blessings. To be spiritually minded, to get bring ourselves, Dr. Marcus says the hardest thing that a Christian's going to do, but to bring ourselves to where that we stay focused on the Holy Spirit, life in the Spirit, living in His Word, etc., that produces in us two, two very important things life and peace. Life, the Greek word zoi. I can't even give you enough adjectives to describe what all that means. Life, quality of living, a higher life, refers to supernatural divine life. Uh, it, it refers to security, uh, prosperity, health, well-being. To be spiritually minded, the reward is zoe, life, the God kind of life, and, of course, peace. Peace. Which means this, you know this uh, a blessed state of, of repose and and rest and security and, and good order and prosperity praise the Lord so you know there's a there's a promise to this thing first there's a warning then there's a promise there's a warning if we are carnally minded worldly minded just carry everything with a worldview there's a promise if we can move over into this next level to be spiritually minded to be spiritually minded man that's I don't know about you. I can answer for you, but that's my thirst. It is my thirst. To be spiritually minded is my craving. It's the zone where the, the word of God comes alive. You know the Bible, oh my goodness, you, you brought it with you this morning, but it can either just be a book to you or it can be, it can be life, spiritual life. Hallelujah. Uh, that changes the way you live. That changes your circumstances. And to get into this zone is where, where the word comes alive. It's where your faith is powerful. It's where you experience the supernatural manifestations of answered prayer. Not just prayer, but answered prayer. I love it when prayers are answered. How about you? Uh, uh, about that place where that when we pray, we experience healing. And we experience, when we have lack, we experience prosperity. Oh, God does a miracle. And all of a sudden, things begin to work. That place of power where we have victory. Victory in life. That spirituality—it's like a zone, a, a place where that you get so focused into the, the the Holy Spirit and life in the Spirit that all this other screaming and and clawing at you and, and the noise that you hear of the world doesn't doesn't draw you away. It doesn't doesn't cause your you to lose your gaze of the Lord Jesus Christ, and therefore it changes You you you, you become. You know, there's two kinds of Christians. You can be nice, polite, political. You can be all those kind of good things and go to heaven, and that's wonderful. Or you can be a Christian that lives a powerful life, that lives a a faith-filled life, hallelujah, that is passionate about God, passionate uh, about being uh, a world changer and uh, seeing the demonstration of the power of God in your life, to be spiritually minded. I'm talking to you about life in the spirit. The reward is what? Somebody tell me, what is it? What did it say? The reward is what? Shout it out, life and peace. Praise the Lord. I challenge you. Research those words out. You know, uh, all of you just about, you, you've got a smartphone. You, you know, on your smartphones, you can get you a, a good concordance right there on your phone. And then you, you, hallelujah, all that good stuff, man. Isn't it good to be in the 21st century? Can I have a better amen? Amen. But now listen to me. The enemy of your soul is mortally concerned about you desiring to become spiritual, he's very, very concerned about your spirituality. He's afraid for you to be that way. And that's why he'll do everything that he can. All the noise, all the, you know, things going on around. To try to keep you world-minded. World-minded. I I had a follow-up appointment with my my, uh, dermatologist this week. And I I have a very interesting dermatologist. I can't give you his name because I hadn't asked for permission. But... He's very bright, very talkative, Uh, uh, he's very engaging, he's a Christian, and he's always throwing a a question, he knows I'm a Christian, he knows knows I'm a pastor, and so he's always wanting to throw something at me, he's he's always trying to, you know, what about this, what about that, and uh, later on in my conversation with him, I found out that where he was coming from, because he had been studying, in fact, he'd gone to some classes in the uh, uh, the book of Revelation. so he had been studying about the return of the lord and so he was all stirred up about this you know i mean jesus is coming uh, jesus is coming soon and and his thing was that he was concerned that he, he didn't see anybody It was expecting him to come people just living life you know like jesus said he'd be was it matthew 24 he says as in the day of noah so shall it be in the day when the Son of Man comes. So just people living life, doing their own thing. I mean, so he's really, really worked up about it. And, and uh, he asked me this question. He said, what is one of the biggest things that affects your congregation's spirituality right now? What is one of the greatest things that is, affects them spiritually, their spirituality? And I, I, was, I just thought about that. You know, I wanted to answer him real smart. I I wanted to uh, give him my best answer, you know. But anyway, I'm thinking, because I know he's going to come back. He's a sharp guy. He's going to come back with something. And uh, I thought about it, and and it just popped out of me. The word busyness. Not business, busyness. What is the one thing, or one of the greatest things, that affects people's spirituality right now? And to me, it's business busy, busyness busyness believers are so pulled in so many directions you have to relate to what i 'm saying we 're so pulled in so many directions and so many things that are that are that are demanding our attention each one of them each one is is crying out urgent urgent important here I am you know meet my need i 'm a priority there 's so much noise and there 's so much there, there's there, there's just so many voices that it 's almost overwhelming for many of us to, to get focused in on being spiritual or remaining with a, a spiritually minded to God and, and His purposes. And so spiritually minded, the things of God in many people's lives, not everybody, but those kinds of things begin to be smothered out by the demands of this natural world. You know, just our senses goading us, goading us and our flesh, our soul and our emotions to control our thinking. I, I kind of thought about it later, and I was surprised. You know, I didn't answer uh, theology. I didn't even answer prayer. About it. And, you know, and all those things do affect your spirituality. Uh, politics, big th- thing today. Um, you know, money. All those kinds of things they probably in some way do. But spirituality, because we're so busy being busy, dealing with Earth's demands, that we don't seem to have time to be spiritual or spiritually minded. Because it seems like everything that is talking to us, I know of my own self, everything that is talking to us, trying to talk to us, is of a natural nature and looking for natural answers. I think in a lot of ways, uh, most of us could relate in some way, in part, to the woman at the well. Because here was this woman at the well, and uh, in Samaria, you know, in John chapter 4, you've read the story probably. But here's this woman, and, and uh, she goes to the well to, to draw water, and she has gone to the well day after day, after day, after day after day. Every day, she goes back to the well to draw from the well something that will sustain her life, to get some answer, to get, you know, satisfy some, some uh, need, uh, until something happens one day. One day she goes to the well to draw from the well, and she meets somebody. She meets a man by the name of Jesus. And Jesus begins to talk to her, and, and, he's, and he begins to reveal to her that there is a, there's a better way, that there's, there's such thing as living water that you can get. And so here she is. She goes to the well. She starts to draw, and Jesus, he, he, uh, he says something to her. He, he says, you know, everybody who draws water from this water, or, The water from this well is going to thirst again. What? Really? Yeah. But then he says, but whoever drinks from the water that I'll give him will never thirst. Indeed, the water I give him will become in him. Now catch the words of Jesus. Will become in him a spring of water welling up to eternal life. What is he saying to him? Lady, there's a different well. You come in here every day, over and over, to try to find something to satisfy life, to meet the needs of life. And Jesus says there is a different well. There is a spiritual well. That when you come to me and you get in me, it's like instead of having to go every day to the world, find an answer... Keep doing it over and over, the water or the well moves inside you. So, what he said? He says, The water that I give you will become in him a spring of water. You don't have to go and try to, you know, figure out everywhere of, of how to find something to sustain you in life, but the, the water I give will become in you out of your belly. Will flow rivers of water. The things that will answer the questions for your life. The things that will satisfy your life. There's two ways to live. There's two ways to live. What will are we going to draw out of? I don't know, but you can answer for you this morning. But, but, but I want to be like this woman. You know what she said? She said, give me that. I want that. I would like, I would like the change. Did she understand the difference between the natural and the spiritual to that point? Probably not. But Jesus is trying to explain to her there's a different way. There is life in the Spirit. There is this different way of living. I want to be drinking every day of that, of that well. The well of the Holy Spirit that takes care of my, my spiritual needs and produces in me divine life. Now, re- regress with me for just a minute, though, and let's... Let me think about this. Let's rethink this thing. Brother Barclay said one of the hardest things for the Christian to do is to stay spiritual. To get in that zone of life in the Holy Spirit where everything else is, is not pulling your gaze off of living in the word, walking in the word, you know, uh, living his thoughts, living his ways, kingdom living. One of the hardest things is to stay spiritual. Is that true? I want to ask you believers, is that true or not? That is true, isn't it? You know, the devil, the enemy of your soul, he's not really concerned that you pray once in a while. He's he's not really concerned about that. He's He's not really challenged that you say your blessing out in public. The most that he can do to you is make you kind of feel like everybody's looking at you. You know? Big deal. You go right along. He's not even really, you know, concerned that you go to church as you can. It's good, but he'll try to make it as boring as he can. Hello. He doesn't want you to go to church, you know that. But if you to go over now and then, that's okay. That's not gonna mess up his kingdom. He's not concerned that you give every now and then, that you maybe do something in a missions, or, or that you work in the church. He's not, he's not really concerned with that because he knows this, that if he can keep you worldly-minded, he can keep you sad. He can keep you sick. He can keep you in strife. He can keep you miserable because you're going to keep going back to that well every day, that natural well, trying to find the answers to your everyday need. But let me tell you something. The day that you decide that you've met the man who has a different way, the day that you decide that you are going to begin to seek spirituality, I don't mean it in a spooky way, but you're going to speak to be spiritual, to walk spiritual, to walk in the Holy Spirit. Let him begin to move and to control your life that's the day he's going to begin to be concerned about you. And he will fight you. I said he will fight you. He will fight you. Because that's the only kind of Christian that's going to defeat his plan. That's the only kind of Christian that's going to mess up you know, what he wants to see happen. We're foolish if we think that the enemy of our soul doesn't have a vision. He has a great big vision. And Jesus told us about it in John, the 10th chapter, 10th verse. He says he's, he's come to kill, to steal and destroy. And, and, and you see, the only one who, who, who begins to rattle with his plan is the person who decides, I'm not living this way anymore, that Christianity is more than religion, and Christianity is supposed to be a life of power. Can I have an amen? It's a life of power. You begin to rattle him, and he will fight you. His goal is to kill. What? He'll kill every dream you have. He'll kill every dream, every purpose, anything that the Lord has for your life. I promise you, he'll work to kill it. But God will work to cause it to come to pass. To steal from you anything that's precious. This is his goal. Anything that's precious to you that God gives you, God brings into your life, he wants to steal it. To destroy. Anything... Anything that you, by your faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, begin to build and, and begin to enjoy and begin to have, the enemy comes, he tries to dis- destroy it. So when we make that decision to follow after God with all of our heart and to serve him with all of our heart, our whole heart, the enemy begins to, to work against us. When, when you as a family, when you as a family make the decision that you and your family are going to follow after God, you and your family, you and your kids, you and your grandkids, that there's only one way. You're going to go after God with all your heart. You're going to be kingdom-minded. That the purposes of God is what really counts in life. He's going to fight you. When you decide to stir your faith and you get into the Bible and you begin to remember who you really are, that you're a king, hallelujah, you're a queen in God. When you begin to remember your authority, in the name of Jesus and you begin to use your faith and you begin to tell him no he does get he gets concerned about that the enemy will get concerned about you and he'll try he'll try to he'll try to stop you amen what will he do oh there's all kinds of ways you know we have things in the scriptures that are given to us that describe his plans mark chapter 4 is one of the greatest i wanted to share that this morning and i realized you know i'm that's I had about four sermons and that. So I decided maybe I better leave that one out. But in Mark chapter 4, Jesus teaches us exactly what happens uh, whenever the Word is sown. And the purpose of this thing is to see that the Word produces, you know, the hundredfold in our lives. It's the whole purpose of the story. It's the production of the Word. The soul and all that stuff, those are just parts of the story, but... The whole purpose of the story is to get 100% potential of the word producing in our lives. And he says what, what he will do is, of course, some seed in the wayside, some seed in the thorns. Some seed some seed is, is sown and it's received, but then hear what happened. The deceitfulness of riches, the lust of other things, and the cares of this world come in and what does it do? It chokes the word. And it causes it to be unfruitful. Amen? Amen. What's my message? Oh, my message is just, I, I just I'm just really exhorting you this morning to, be, to pursue spirituality. That it's a different kind of life. I, I, see a, I see much of the church world, no matter where we go, I see much of the church world just focusing, you know, being nice, Quiet, sweet little Christians, polite, even loving each other. But God's got a better way. There is another well you can dig from. Go with me to Exodus chapter 8, if you will. And um, we'll kind of try to bring my exhortation to some ending here. But in Exodus 8, there is a parallel using the story of the Exodus of... um, a scheme, and this is a real one this is this is not just historical this is a real spiritual scheme which is atypical of the tactics that the enemy uses to um, t- try to uh, tempt us and draw us away when we want to move toward spirituality with the lord and there are four compromises I want to I want to show you here this morning there are four compromises that the enemy will try to throw at you so as you 're turning there, Exodus chapter eight, the setting is that God spoke to to Moses, told him to go back to Egypt, go to Pharaoh, tell him let my people go because I want them to come and to serve me. Okay? So Moses does that. He obeys. Uh, of course, he gets the response. Uh, Pharaoh says, no, I'm not going to do it. am not going to let them go. Now, the plagues have already started by the time we get over into chapter 8. And still, Pharaoh is refusing to give in. He's still saying, no, I'm not going to turn the people loose. And here, the point that the, that, that God is... Is making is that he is he has set his mind to set these people free from their slavery, he set his mind to bring them into a new place of spirituality, a new place of relationship with him because they've been living for 400 years in this condition, totally earthy. Uh, this condition of slavery, they're nobodies, you know. And God says, No, I want to change it. I want to bring you into a place to where that you are living, trusting me, serving me, obeying me, and I have a relationship with you. The devil, or Pharaoh, Pharaoh's symbolic here of the enemy, he's saying, no, there's no way. You're not going to do it. I'm going to hold on to you. You'll stay slaves. You're going to stay beggars. You're going to stay broke. You're going to have no power. You're going to have no future because you're nobodies. By the time we get to verse 8, the pressure is beginning to get a little bit to Pharaoh, okay? We've already got all these, the, these plagues that have been coming. And so in verse eight, uh, chapter 8, Pharaoh makes his first offer of compromise. And this is where he says, if you drop down to verse 20, I'm just going to read it real quickly to you. And the Lord said to Moses, you rise up early in the morning, you stand before Pharaoh as he comes out of this water when he gets his bath. Says says, and, and say to him, thus says the Lord, Let my people go that they may serve me. Where's he looking? A new level of spirituality, a new level of a relationship with the Lord. And he says, or else, if you'll not let my people go, behold, I'll send swarms of flies on you and your servants and on your people and on your house and the houses of the Egyptians will be full of swarms of flies and the ground on which they stand. What does Pharaoh say? No, I'm not going to do it. So drop down to verse 24. And the Lord did so. He sent the swarms thick swarms of flies came into the house of Pharaoh and to his servant's house and to all the land of Egypt and the land was corrupted because of the swarms of flies now here's the first here's the first compromise then Pharaoh called for Moses and Aaron and he says go sacrifice to your God in the land let's just stop right there first first offer of compromise okay 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 I've had enough okay we got all the flies look you want to go? You want to serve God? Let me tell you, here's what, here's what we'll do. You just go and you make a sacrifice right here in the land. You say, well, what's the big deal? What is he saying? You go make your sacrifice, but don't change anything. Don't go anywhere. Don't change your circumstances. Don't stop doing what you've been doing all the time. You just go do it. And, and 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 you know, just make your sacrifice right here where you are. Uh, you know, you'll feel better. God'll feel better. I'll feel better. Everything'll be all right. You know, add a little God to your day, and just leave everything else just like it is. That's what he's saying to him. Don't change anything. Just do it right here. And Moses said, "Thank God." He said, "No way. We." won't do that you can't do that you cannot get just a little a a, a little bit of of God we can't just do an add-on of God and this, this is where a lot of people do they get they're drawn by the Holy Spirit to come to the Lord and so they just try they try first compromise just add God to what you're already doing and God doesn't he doesn't work that way God's going to be the center of it or he's not going to be in it come on now And so Moses says, no, we're not going to do that. We're not going to just get a little bit of God. So he says, okay, 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 okay. Second compromise. Look in verse 26. Moses says that won't do. Our sacrifices to God are hated by the Egyptians. And if we do this right here before their eyes, they'll kill us. No, we're not going to do that. There has to be a separation. When you make a move to step out in your relationship with God, and the first thing the devil is going to do to you, listen, if you have to, go to church. It's okay a little bit. It'll be all right. You know, just don't get goofy. You know, just don't start changing all that stuff around you, you know. Don't, Don't change who you're hanging out with. You know, don't change what you're doing. Don't change where you're going. And if you accept that compromise... I'm telling you, if you accept that compromise, you'd be just like these children. They would have never had freedom, and they would have never become the nation that was the representative of Father God, Jehovah God, to the whole world. Second, Second one, verse 28. Moses told him, no way. So Pharaoh says, all right, all right, all right. Well, go ahead, but don't go too far away. Don't go too far away. Now hurry on out there and plead with God for me hmm, can't you just, can't you hear that one? It must be going off in Moses' head. Can't you hear your flesh and Satan whispering to you? Um, you I, I, know, I know you're feeling drawn, you know, to get closer to God. I, I know, I know you've, you're beginning to sense that, but look, let's, let's not get fanatical. Let, let's don't go off the keep, you know, let's don't go off the deep end. Let's, let's keep some sense about you. And then your flesh says, now look, You know what I like. Don't deprive me of what I like, what I want, and what I want to do. Don't don't do that. Let's not get goofy here. Amen. Satan says, "Yeah, I got to keep you balanced. You know, you know, because you can get off and become one of those weirdos if you don't watch it. There, you're going to be too much. I mean, here we go. Because you know, too much prayer is kind of stupid anyway. And not only that, but." Going to church twice a week is very excessive. You've gone overboard. You are a nut. Witnessing is embarrassing. You don't want that your flesh. And faith is not practical. That's not very practical. Keep your head. Keep your head about you. Keep your head. Keep your logic. Keep your sense. Keep your sense. And when the person does that, what they end up with is head religion. Head religion. And they have no root in them. Persecution is going to come. Jesus said it would. Trial's going to come. Your faith is going to be tried. And if you don't have any root and all you're, you're anchored in is, is your logic and your head. Because you don't want to go too far. You better just fall in the pool, praise God. You don't, I don't want to go too far. You just stay close so you can come back real quick. Then you're going to end up in slavery compromise number three it's in chapter 10 so you're going to have to flip a couple of chapters let me read it it begins in verse 8 it says so Moses and Aaron oh by the way more plagues came okay a lot more plagues and so the heat is getting it's getting hotter now for for Pharaoh and so Moses and Aaron were brought back to Pharaoh and he says okay right, you go worship the Lord your God But who exactly is going to be going with you? Who's going to go with you? And Moses said, well, we're all going to go. Young and old, your sons and your daughters, our sons and our daughters, our flocks and our herds, we must all join together in celebrating a festival to the Lord. And Pharaoh said to him, the Lord certainly needs to be with you if you try that, if you try to take your little ones. If you try that, you know... I'm going to stop you. You try to take your little ones, there's no way. There's no way that's going to happen. What is he saying to him here? Uh, okay. You go. You go. Uh, wait, wait, let me just finish this. Verse 10 says, says uh, The Lord will certainly need to be with you if, you if I let you take your little ones. I can see through your evil plan. Never. Only the men may go and worship the Lord. Since that is what you requested. So he's trying to throw something in that he didn't even say. And Pharaoh threw them out of the palace. He threw them out. What is he saying to them? Okay. You want to go get your religion? Okay, that's okay. But you cannot have the whole family, you can't have the kids. You can, these children are mine. The kids are mine. You know what the devil's saying about your kids? You can go be religious if you want to, but your kids are mine. And if you don't say no, he'll keep them. And he'll destroy them. No, the kids are mine. You go do what you want to do. Keep your religion to yourself. You know, you're not going to pass it on to your kids. You're not going to pass it on to society. You're not going to create a society that loves the Lord. You just serve God by yourself and just shut it up. Just shut it up. Don't talk about God in the home. Don't talk about God in the school. Don't talk about God in the society. Don't talk about God in politics. Don't talk about God in your government. Because those things belong to the state. They don't belong to you. And Moses says, not acceptable. Can you say not acceptable? No way. What's going to happen? We're going to all go and worship the Lord that's a compromise, mom and dad, grandma and grandpa, aunt, uncle, that you cannot accept. You, if, if you don't go after your kids and if you don't pass the baton of faith to your kids, we're just one generation away from an ungodly society. Totally secular with no God. Okay, last compromise. I'm finding an end to this message. Last compromise, go to verse 24. Finally, Pharaoh said, he called Moses and he says, Okay, go worship the Lord. But <laughs> leave your flocks and your herds here. You can even take your little ones with you if you want to. But you've got to leave all your stuff. You, you, can't, you, can't, you can't take your business, you can't take your flocks, you can't take anything valuable with you. He knows that if He can do that, He's always always got a hook. He's always got a hook. Always got a hook. Just leave leave all the business. The business stuff and your valuables and your possessions, that's separate from your spirituality. They have nothing to do with each other. You leave your stuff here because He knows if, if you leave all your stuff here, you will be back. If you don't submit your stuff to God, you will be right back into the world. Amen. Isn't that just like the devil? Your business life and your spiritual life, well, they're separate. You know? Satan is saying, I control that. I control that. I own that. And Moses, once again, says, no. There's no way. What we, when we go, everything goes. When we go, all of our stuff goes when we draw close to God. When we become this pursuit of spirituality, everything we have, everything that we are, is God's. Listen, I, I hope you receive this in the right spirit. But the the enemy knows this. As long as he as long as he can control your stuff, either with his his hook in it, or he can control your control your stuff with. Uh, a, a, a carnal mentality, you know that what's mine is mine. Bless God, and and I do da da da, and and we don't have the, the the mentality that what we have is God's, and and we serve Him with everything within us. And you don't even have anything except God gave it to you. As long as he as long as he can hold that hook in you, there's no way that you can walk in a deep spiritual relationship with God because. There's a part of you that is not submitted. You remember there was one guy that came to Jesus? Only one. Others came to him, and he didn't tell him the same thing. But one guy came to him, and he says, Oh, what can I do to to have eternal life? He looked at him, and he saw his need. He loved The Bible says he loved him. He says, You're just missing one thing. Your stuff has got a hook in you. Your stuff... Others came to him, and, and he didn't tell them that. He didn't tell them, go give away your stuff. But this guy did. He told him that. He says, you, you, need, you need to give up your stuff. Give it to the poor. Come follow me. Why? That guy's need. He pinpointed it. He, he trusted his stuff. And he had to come to a place of submission of that, lordship of that. <clears throat> Go with me, if you will, to John chapter 7, last scripture. One day, I hope, I hope you're getting something. I hope you're getting this. One day, Jesus stood up in the middle of a crowd in the temple. The setting is important here. Because it was it was the Feast of Tabernacles, and the Feast of Tabernacles runs like eight days, and it's a feast of rejoicing, a joy. I mean, the people just have a it's a party; they have a great time. And the last day is the greatest day because they're rejoicing over their own nation and what God has has done in their own nation. And so, on the last day, he stands up and says after the priests have done all their things, and he says, it says in, in verse 37, on the last day, the great day of the feast, Jesus stood and he cried out saying, if anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. He who believes in me, as the scripture has said, out of his heart, King James says, out of his belly, out of his innermost being, out of his belly will flow rivers of living water. And verse 39 says he was speaking of the holy spirit who would be given to everyone believing in him, the holy spirit, the holy spirit. He's speaking of what is he? he's speaking of life in the spirit. He's speaking of being spiritually minded, living in the spirit. Now, what is he doing? What is Jesus trying to tell them? I just had this big celebration. Uh, What is he trying to tell this religious crowd? He stands up and he cries. The Bible says he cries out to them. And this is what I believe he's saying to them. As exciting, as exciting as all of this has been, you've had all your rejoicing. You've had all of your celebration. Tomorrow, you're going to wake up. And you're going to go back to... To the same old well. You're going to go back to the same old way of living. To your same old way of religion. Dipping in. Trying to find. Out of this natural world. The answers for life. The answers to solve everything that's going on. How do I do? How do I survive one more day? How do I survive one more day? One more way. One more way. And he is telling them. Listen. I'm offering you a far better way. I'm offering you a far better way. They really probably did not have any earthly idea what he was saying, but Jesus was making a proclamation of something that was to come and something that belongs to us today because he was speaking of the Holy Spirit who had not yet been given, but he has now been given. He was speaking of something that applies to us today. He was speaking of a way of living, a, a, a life in the Spirit, focused on God, so enthroned, enthralled with the Holy Spirit and walking in the Word of God that you're not trying to dig up out of that well every day, every day, some way to make it today, some way to make it today. And he says this, if you'll come to me, if you'll come to Jesus and you'll really believe you'll surrender to him what he says is that he, Jesus and the Holy Spirit will move inside you he will become in you a well he will become in you a river of living water that just flows up and he will furnish every day for you everything that you could possibly need so that you can live in this life and godliness and happiness and live in divine living can i have a big amen? amen can anybody in here say a need for that yes. hallelujah i tell you i've gone through i've gone through times in my life in my christian experience where i tell you just it just seems like it's so hard you know you just constantly trying to jerk another rabbit out of the hat. You're just trying to find another answer. You're just trying to and we're just we're just I'm like that woman at the well. You just go back every day to but it is so good when you come to realize there's another well. Amen. Hallelujah. Amen. There is a river. A river of his spirit that can flow up in your heart every single day that will meet every need that you have. Bow your heads with me, would you? Heavenly Father, Lord, may we seek a deeper place with you, another relationship, a deeper relationship. May we take a step up the ladder, O God. May we have a yearning to be like that woman at the well that as Jesus explains to us what he wants to do, how he wants to give us divine life. May that yearning just become bigger, O God, than all the noise of this world so that we seek you and we seek life in the spirit may that be so in the lives of all those that are here today in the name of Jesus I praise you for it and let's say together amen amen praise the Lord prayer partners please come amen hallelujah partners please come if you need prayer you need someone just to minister to you just one on one hold you in hand look you in the eye And pray with you and believe God to answer your prayer. Then please make your way down front. I'm going to dismiss you. God bless you. We just speak the blessing of the Lord over you. Hallelujah. May it be the best week you've ever had in your life. In Jesus' name. And if you need prayer, come on down. Give the Lord a shout. Amen. Praise God.